We have been in this series, we are beginning week four, and over the last couple weeks, we have been talking, for those of you who haven't been here, we've been talking about God's Big Ten, or better known as the Ten Commandments, and we have been talking about how we need to become people of character, and how sometimes along the way of life, we, we take a wrong turn every now and then, and sometimes we have to correct our path, but God says, listen, you don't got to do it by yourself. All right, I got your back. And he gave us this roadmap that says, hey, this is the direction that you need to go. In order to be people of godly character, this is the way you need to go. And so what he says is, he says, look, I need you to do this, become people of godly character, because I need you to remember who I am. Look what I did for you. He says, first off, I created you. He says, you were created in my image. Therefore, you should serve me and love me. And he says, you shall have no other gods before me absolutely none. Look, look what I've done for you. He was telling the Hebrew children, he said, I delivered you out of Egypt. I delivered you out of slavery. And church, listen to me. For us, he broke the chains of slavery. He, he broke the chains of sin. We're no longer slaves to our sin. And so we have freedom. We need to remember that. And then he says, look, when I say you shall have no other gods before me, keep me number one in your life, I'm being serious. He says, you do, I don't even want you to pretend to make a god. It don't, you will have no idols. You won't even fashion them. Not, don't even fashion them to, 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 image, uh, to, to make an image of me. He says, I don't want you to, because you can't, you can't comprehend who I am. He says, there's nothing that you can make with your hands that will ever encompass anything about me. And he says, I don't want you worshiping anything. Do not put into your life any idols above me. He says, I want to be first in your life. And so those are the first two commandments. And today we're going to continue in to the third commandment. But if you will, bow your heads with me. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, today I ask that you accept our worship and you accept our praise. And Lord, as we go through this series, as we are examining your big ten, your ten commandments that you've given us, guidelines for our lives, Lord. So often as we read these, we realize how we have failed you, and we realize that we are weak, and at times so often we fail. But Lord, I ask that you will give us your strength, give us your counsel and your comfort, Lord. Erase any guilt that we have and help, Lord, put us on the right path in the right direction. And it's in your glorious name that we pray, and everybody said it. Amen. Well, to begin... I got something here, and this is a dollar bill. All right, it's a nice crisp dollar bill, and I know what you might be thinking, like, well, the preacher's going to show off all his money that he's got, right? Well, I'm not going to brag, but this is my allowance for the month from Ashley. She said, spend, she said spend it wisely, so I thought, well, what better way to use it than as a sermon illustration, right? So, yeah, this is what she gives me for the month, but anywho, how many of you, if I was to walk around and start handing out dollar bills, how many of you would accept a dollar bill from the preacher? Okay, come on, y'all. <laughs> You're going to make it hard on me. Ra everybody should raise your hand. How many of you, if I was to walk around handing out free money, would say, I'm going to take some money from you, preacher, right? All of us. If I, I, if I was to, to, to hand every one of you one of these crisp dollar bills, we'd all take it, right? We, we would. We all, we all like free money. And this is a crisp one. This is one that hasn't been in my wallet, because if it's in my wallet, man, it gets beat up and, and roughed up. And, but this is a crisp dollar bill. What if I take it and go like this to it? Right, and I crumble it up, and I, I really wear it out. And, you know, when I preach, I get sweaty hands, so there's sweat getting all over this. That's gross. More information you needed to know. 
we're all friends and family here, right? Now, this is crinkly. It was crisp before. How many of you would still take this? Right? Well, wh why would you still take this dollar? Oh, still spins the same, right? It's still a dollar bill. That's going to look kind of a little wrinkle on it, man. Okay, so I'm going to take it. I'm going to put it down here, and I'm going to rub my foot over it. How many of you right now are cringing? It's a dollar bill, not many. If I had a $100 bill doing that, you'd be like, stop. All right, but if I'm going to drag it across the carpet here, and, you know, uh, crumple it up some more, how many of you would still take it? Still worth money, right? Still worth a dollar? Okay, I'm going to... Don't tell the government. I'm, don't tell the government I'm about to do what I'm about to do. Okay. What if I tore it up? How many of you, come on, church, would still take this? Still holds value, right? Still, it's still a dollar bill, even though it's torn. And now my wife's going to look at me and say, "I'm not giving you your allowance if you're going to treat it like that." <laughs> but but it still spends the same, right? And it's at this point where all of you may be thinking, what is the preacher doing? Right, I mean, it's, a do it's just a dollar. I mean, I, don't, I think I got a dollar for, I mean, I think I got a pop yesterday for $1.50, so I don't even know if we can get a, a bottle of pop anymore for a dollar, but it's still a dollar. And yes, I did just say pop. <laughs> all right, I, ha I haven't been in the South long enough. Excuse me, I bought a soda. <laughs> Please forgive me for saying that one. <laughs> bought a soda yesterday for $1.50, can't even buy it, but, but it's still a dollar, right? And some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, preacher, why, why are you taking something with so much value? Something with that, that, can, that can, I mean, money helps us, right? In today's culture, we, we have to have money, right? To buy food and to buy shelter and to buy water. Th th there's value to a dollar, right? Now, if, how many of us want lots of dollars, right? But there's value to a dollar, so why, if, if there's value to a dollar, why am I going to stand up here, crinkle it, step on it? I mean, who knows where I stepped? If there's value to a dollar, wh why am I tearing it up? Why, why, church, would we take something with so much value? Why, why would we take something that means a lot to us, that helps us, that buys things for us, that gives us a better way of life, and tear it up like that. Go to Exodus chapter 20, beginning with verse 7, let's read. Verse 7 says, you shall not, mis you, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. We won't devalue a dollar, even though it's torn up, beat up. And we're going to look at the preacher crazy for tearing up money, because there's so much value to money. Why, why would the preacher do that? There's so much value in money. Why, why would he run it through the dirt? Why would we tarnish something that's so valuable? Let's play a game this morning. You guys want to play a game with me? There are, there, are, there are phrases and sentences that people say 
to automatically distinguish who they are, right? So, so let's play a game together. If somebody came up to you and they said, sir, ma'am, you have the right to remain silent, who would they be? Police officer, right? You have the right to remain silent and they keep talking, right? Or, or you're sitting in an office and you may be laying out on a couch and you have that guy or that lady sitting behind you and they have their pad and paper and they say, so tell me, how does that make you feel? Therapist, right? Okay. So you have somebody else and they, and they tell you and you're sitting in their office and you're not feeling so well and they tell you, hey, you need to take this medicine twice a day with water. Who would that be? doctor or a pharmacist too, right? Pharmacists say that as well. Or, or, or you're in a big room and you got some people up front and someone smacks the desk and says, I object. Who would that be? It's a lawyer, right? There are certain phrases and there are certain words that when people speak them, we automatically know who they are, right? We know who they are by what they say. Now, I want you to, I want you to know my heart this morning, Okay. Please know my heart this morning. Because as we're treading through the Ten Commandments, there's going to be a lot of top, tough conversations. And so please hear my heart this morning whenever I say these next phrases. I'm not meaning them profanely. But when you hear them, you kind of got an idea what that person's like, right? Oh, God. Jesus Christ. Good Lord. We won't devalue a dollar. And I'm not meaning that profanely by saying those, those sentences. And if there are children in here, or there are youth, please do not go around repeating those. Understand the heart of your pastor right now. I'm giving you examples. And parents, I do apologize for that. Please forgive me. But we won't devalue a dollar, church. And when we hear these, these, these phrases and a whole host of other ones like them, ones that are much harsher than those, uh, I will not speak those, and I shouldn't have said what I just said, but it's called shock value, church. I wanted to get your attention this morning. But when we hear people use this kind of language, it typically doesn't have anything to do with their occupations, right? Because profanity goes across all professions. It goes across all ethnicities. It goes across all genders and social lines. But it reveals to us something about that person's heart. And I know, hear me, we're not supposed to judge people. And I'm not judging anybody. At least I'm not trying to. But when we hear profanity gush out of a person's mouth in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of our God, used in obscene ways and used as profanity, we kind of got an idea of what that person's heart looks like, don't we? And I'm not one to judge anybody's heart. That's God's job, not mine. But if we're using it, if we're saying those things, we should be questioning what's going on in my heart. What's happening here? And I know it's quiet this morning. And one thing you need to know about your preacher is awkward silence does not bother me. 
And I know this is going to be one of the toughest ones on this list that we're going to talk about. Because it seems like in our culture, we have just profanity and cursing. It doesn't matter, even if we're using our Lord's name in vain. And if you're sitting here thinking, well, well, pastor, you're not supposed to judge me. And you're getting a little bit angry. Or you're feeling a little bit convicted. Listen to me, church. It's not your pastor. That's called the Holy Spirit. And we need to listen to him this morning. So if you feel that, listen to me. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. We need to listen to him this morning. Because as we're going through this, I know, I know what you're thinking. Why in the world is this so important? Why, why would this occupy, a, especially number three? It's, a t- it's in the top three on the list of God's big ten, on the ten commandments. Why in, what, what's the big deal about a name, right? We can ask, isn't, isn't God being a little bit sensitive here? I mean, think about it, right? Oh, his name's being misused. Oh, come on, Lord. That, don't you think that's a little bit, what's the word, petty? Thank God, God, are you being a little bit petty here? But, but church, if you think about it, let, let, let me ask you this. What happens when you ta- speak somebody's name? It brings, the, it brings that person into focus, right? When, when, you, when you say a name, when you say somebody's name, what it does, it gets their attention, and it brings everyone around you into focus on that person. For instance, even a dog understands its name. How many of you have pets in here? How many, when you call its name, how many of you see that animal turn around? right? Animals recognize their name. And so, so whenever we're talking about a name, listen to me, there's more to a name than just the name. That name represents that person. That, that person carries that name. That animal carries that name. Listen to me. There, there's more to a name. God is saying here, whenever you bring up my name, there better be reverence. He says, you better have a sense of awe. There better be love. And he says, never should my name be dragged through the mud as you, like, like yesterday's trash. He says, that, that's my name. And, it, and it, you're right, it is just a name, but it's the, what the name represents. It's who carries that name. Church, family, are you, are you, are you hearing me this morning? It's more than just a name. It's what the name represents and who, who's behind that name. David, David wrote in the book of Psalms, he said, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. And his name is what made him say this, is let them know that you whose name is the Lord, that you alone are the most high in all the earth. Oh, church, the psalmist wrote that. And I, I was reading this week about, about the Jewish heritage and stuff like that and all their history. And, and I came across this. It says, the Jews would never pronounce the name of God out loud. In fact, before a scribe would even begin to write God's name, they would bathe and put on full dress. And then they would even make sure that the ink on their quill was full so that they didn't have to stop in the midst of writing his name. They understood the importance of God's name. They never wanted to disrespect it, even when they were putting it on paper. They said there, there's something about God's name that should strike all in wonder in our lives. And yet here we are using it as profanity like it's nothing. Like God doesn't matter in our life. You see, when we speak his name, it should stir up all kinds of emotion in our hearts and our minds. It, sh- it should remind us of what we have done or what he has done 
for us and the provision he gives us every single day and the plan that he has for our future. When we speak the name of God, it shouldn't just be a casual thing. It should remind us of who our heavenly father is, church. That's what the name represents. Jesus Christ understood this. You see, when Jesus Christ was teaching his disciples to pray, he started out like this. It's our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus Christ understood the importance of the name of God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus is saying, Father, my deepest desire is that everyone who walks on this planet will come to understand how holy your name is and would give you the love and honor that belongs to you. Hallowed be thy name. Holy be thy name. Because God, your name is perfect. Because Lord, you are perfect. You are perfect, God. And I'll never disrespect your name. Church, it's not just a name. It's the one who holds the name. And with all that being said, it makes me wonder why anybody would misuse the name of our God. We won't put our money through the mud because it holds value to us. We won't put our other material things through the dirt. We, we cherish them. We hold on to them. We, we wash them and we bathe them and, 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 and we protect them. And we polish them. These are things that are here today and gone tomorrow, church. Money's here today and gone tomorrow. And I know what you're thinking. Well, pastor, it, it, it's easy to say that when you have it. No, it, money is here today and gone tomorrow for everybody. You get it, and what do you have to do? You got to pay bills. You got you to buy food. You got to pay your car. You got Money is here today and gone tomorrow, guys. It's not going to be there forever. And let me tell you something. Guess, get, get this. You can't take it with you. but yet we would never disrespect it. Yet our heavenly father, who is eternal, he was here yesterday, he is here today, and he, was, he will always be. He saved you from the clutches of sin. He sent his own son to die on the cross to take most, one of the most brutal ways to die, if not the most brutal way to die, to take our nails, to take our lashings, to take our beating, to go and face death. to go and face death, to conquer the grave in order to save you and I. And we're going to disrespect him by using his name in profanity? We're going to disrespect his name by calling ourselves Christians and living opposite of what that means? Because sometimes using the Lord's name in vain can go further than just speaking at church. You call yourself a Christian, but you live opposite. Listen to me. You're using his name in vain. And I'm not preaching against money. Don't think, well, preacher said I don't need money. No, listen to me. Keep working. Okay, I'm not, I'm not, trying, to, I'm not trying to take away the value of money. But I am trying to draw our attention as to why we do this. And here's what I, here's what I have found. Here's what, I, here's what I truly believe. I believe that there are, three t there are three categories of people that misuse the name of God, okay? Can I give that to you? I believe that the people who, who, who use the name profanely, I think that they can fall into three categories. Number one, I think the first category that they can fall into is the uninformed, all right? These are people that just don't know. So here's what, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to leave here today thinking, well, the preacher's just bashing all of us. He thinks we're all terrible. No, listen to me. There are times, I'm not judging anybody. I'm just, I'm just presenting you with the truth that I know, all right? And so I believe that there are people that are just straight uninformed and don't know any better. 
How many of you have ever heard a child? It's always so funny to see this. How many of you have ever seen a child or heard a child use a four-letter word that they should not have used? All right? Now, we giggle. (laughs) It's not right, but we giggle, but at times it can be funny. Let me tell you a story. So my nephew, all right, he's as ornery as the the day is long, all right? He's he's my brother's son, all right? And if you know my brother, you'll understand where he gets it from. But my child, not my child, my nephew, when he was, I think, about two or three years old, it's pressing. I'm looking at her because she usually gives me nods if I'm wrong or right. But anyway, he was about two or three years old, and my, he was at my parents' house, and I was still living at home at the time. And he, my parents put a gate on their front porch. That way the kids could go outside and play without the adults fretting the students are going to make it to the road. Well, my dad went out by himself, and the windows were open. We could all hear. Well, my nephew decided to bolt out the door behind him. And what my dad decided to do is he decided to shut the gate right in front of my nephew. And being about two or three years old, all of a sudden, my nephew just says, well, what the? (laughs) Right in front of Grandpa. (laughs) And everybody with the windows open, everybody heard it. And everybody turns and looks at my brother, my sister-in-law, and we're all grinning ear to ear. And of course, the classic saying or the classic statement after a child says that is what did the parents say? Well, they didn't hear it from us, right? Uh, immediately, my brother, well, they didn't hear it from us. And we're sitting there thinking, well, we, we don't know. And, and they said, well, no, they heard it from the neighbor's kids. And, you know, he lived on an army post at the time. So who knows? Who knows where he had heard that? Those who had served in the military, you know what I'm talking about, right? So who knows where the two, the, he's two or three years old. And as soon as grandpa shut that gate in his face, he just said, what the, and mommy and daddy, right? And when when kids do that, right, the teenagers snicker, everyone looks at mom and dad, where did they hear that from? And and then what do we have to do? We have to correct the child, right? You you don't don't leave them that way. You don't let them keep saying it. Why? Because it's wrong, right? But the child didn't know. Can we really blame that young child that didn't know can we really judge them or, 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 or discipline them for, for saying a word that they may or may not have heard from mommy and daddy, a friend, a, a family friend? The, 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 the child's uninformed, church. So what do we have to do when the child's uninformed? We have to teach them. We have to correct it. And we have to guide them right back. Church, listen to me. Christians, listen to me this morning. Guess what our job is? Our job is to be the witness. Our job is to inform the uninformed. Guess what, church? Can you really condemn them, the uninformed, for doing it if they hear us doing it? Think about it, church. Can you really blame that child if the parents are the one doing it? The uninformed need to be informed, church. And it's our job to inform them because God takes the, and here's, here's the thing about this, about this is, is that, that, that when, when, when we misuse it, God is saying, listen to me, there, there's a punishment that happens. Look, look, look at verse seven. He says, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. That's why we have to inform people, guys. He says, the, the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. The Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. God says, do not misuse my name. You cannot keep doing it and get away with it. 
You can't keep this up and, and, and keep walking around misusing my name and expect me just to, just to give you a pass. He says, I, I'm, I'm, I'm coaching you right now. I'm teaching you right now. So what happens after we tell the child, you can't do that anymore. That's not a good thing to say. What do we do from that point? Discipline starts. Right? The kid keeps doing it. You have to discipline. I know we live in a current culture right now that is against disciplining children. Well, I'm a little bit old school. I'm going to discipline my child. And whatever you want to put into the discipline, I'll let you fill that blank in. But but once we've informed them, that's when the discipline starts. And look what God does. If you go to Leviticus chapter 24, we read a story of two Hebrews that get into a fight. And one, it says that one blasphemed the name and cursed. And they didn't know what to do. It must have been the first time. They said, we don't know what to do, how to handle this. But verse 13, I believe is what it is. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, take the blasphemer outside the camp. And all those who heard him say, lay down there, or all them who heard them say, are to lay their hands on his head. And the entire assembly is to stone him. Say to the Israelites, anyone who curses their God will be held responsible. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord is to be put to death. The entire assembly must stone them. Whether foreigner or native born, when they blaspheme the name, they're to be put to death. Now, I don't want you to leave here and go out there and tell your children or your, that one coworker, say, guess what the preacher told me I'm supposed to do with you. Please do not misunderstand what I'm preaching this morning. We're not supposed to stone anyone anymore, okay? But do not minimize this commandment. Do not minimize this commandment to justify you misusing the name of God. Because God takes this commandment very seriously. He says, no one who misuses my name will be held guiltless. He goes, I take this very seriously. Some are three on his list. You shall have no one, you no other God before me. Don't even make idols and don't even misuse my name. So you have the uninformed as the first list. And then, and this is where I think a lot of Christians could fall into, is you have the uncontrolled. I know what you're thinking, right? Well, preacher, I, I get all this. I understand all this. It's wrong, but you know, sometimes, pastor, I just, I just forget who I am and I lose it. Well, preacher, that, that person cut me off, all right? I, I have learned that the, we are the most dangerous and the most angry when we're behind the wheel, right? And unfortunately, that's when we're supposed to, we should be the most safe because we are driving a weapon, all right? Vehicles are very dangerous. But, oh, pastor, I, I, sometimes when I'm just driving, I just, I just get angry. I just lose control. Well, when my husband, man, he just makes me angry. No wives nodding their heads on that one, right? Well, preacher, sometimes I just, sometimes it just slips out. Well, church, let me tell you, for those of you who fall under this category of of sometimes you just can't do it, listen, there's a little bit of hope for you, okay? I want to share something with you. Let me read it to you in the book of James. All right, the Bible actually falls into this category. The Bible actually explains you can take comfort in the fact that the Bible says the tongue is nearly impossible to control. The book of James, I think it's chapter 3, says all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless evil full of deadly poison. I get it. If, if you, Church, I'll be honest with you. I fall under this category sometimes. All right? It, it's hard to tame the tongue. It, it, it is hard. And it takes self-control. 
And it takes a lot of intentionality. Listen, if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to be intentional about it. Because listen to what the book of Matthew says. It says, God understands the humanity. we we got issues holding our tongue. He says, the tongue cannot be tamed easily. But look what the book of Matthew says. He says, you brood of vipers. Sometimes I wish I had the, the boldness that, 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 the, that the Bible writers had, what they call people and the way they say to people, but I don't think it would flow nowadays. But listen to what it says. It says, you brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For your mouth speaks out which fills the heart. You, you're, you're right. Sometimes we lose control. Sometimes it's hard to tame the tongue. James talks about that. But Matthew, he explains this, he says, look, the tongue's hard to tame, I get it, but what comes out of your mouth is what's in your heart. Jesus Christ is actually the one that said that. He says, what you're going to be speaking is already here. It doesn't just happen. Because what you put in here takes root in here and is going to come out here. And that's why I said earlier, you know what, sometimes, you know what, I know we're not supposed to judge people, but sometimes when we hear people talk, you can kind of get an idea where they're at. And those of us who call ourselves Christians who claim, well, sometimes I just lose control. Church, listen to me. It is time that we step away from spiritual adolescence and we start getting into the word and we start becoming true disciples and we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us because if we want to be able to tame the tongue, listen to me, it starts by a heart, trans- a heart transplant. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to work on your heart. It's called complete surrender. You want to tame the tongue, you've got to give it all to God. Otherwise, you're going to keep falling in the same old traps. You've got to leave the spiritual adolescence. You've got to grow into spiritual maturity. You've got to start taking steps forward to allow the Holy Spirit to transform you into what he wants you to be. You want to stop talking that way? Allow him to transform your heart because what's in the heart is what's coming out the mouth. Every time. Every time. You can put a front on in church, but when that anger sets in and you lose control, what's in here is going to come spewing out of here church it's all through scripture he says you've got to have a heart transplant our goal needs to be what paul talked about in ephesians he says nor should there be obscenity foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place but rather thanksgiving he says you got to quit talking filthy if you're going to be a disciple of christ he says you got to quit it he says you can't walk around making those jokes saying those things and expect people to ever come to the church and and and, and convert because of your witness he goes what kind of witness are you being he was obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. It doesn't, it doesn't belong here. The message translation says, Christians have, been, have better uses for language than that. That kind of talking does not fit our style. Go back, go back to when Peter denied Christ, right? So here you have Peter who says, Lord, I will never deny you. I will never deny you. I will never deny you. Then Jesus gets taken away. And then you have Peter who's all by himself, and the crowd starts coming towards him. And what does he do? No, I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not one of those guys. No, 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 no. I'm not one of those guys. And they sit back, are, are you sure? And Peter goes, no, I, I'm telling you, I'm not one of those people. I'm not a disciple of Jesus. I, I don't know him. And they sit back. Are you sure? Because you kind of look like him. 
And what does it say? It says that Peter actually began to curse. You want to know, and this is my assumption, I, I don't know, if I, you know, just take it with a grain of salt if you want, but my assumption is Peter began to curse because he knew that the people would not associate him with Jesus Christ if he did that. You wonder why he started cursing? Because the people knew the disciples of Christ were better than that. That they, if, if you're following Christ, you don't talk that way. And so what did they do? Oh, whoa, hold on, guy. Hold on now. You're right, you're right, okay. You're not one of the disciples. The disciples wouldn't talk that way, and they left him alone. And then what happened? The rooster crowed. Bam. Peter knew what he did. Same thing goes today, church. We can't profess Christianity, talk this way, make those jokes, live that lifestyle, and expect anyone to associate us with Jesus Christ. We've got to become controlled even in the midst of those anger moments, even in the midst of those, those, oh, no, no, pastor, it just slipped out, it was an accident. No, 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 it was an accident, I get it, but what does this look like? And I'm not judging you, uh, listen, accident, I get it, sometimes old habits are hard to break, I, I respect that, but we need to allow the Holy Spirit to start analyzing our heart, come into us, and start transforming us into what he wants us to be. And I hope I'm making sense this morning. So you have the uninformed, and then you have the uncontrolled. And Colossians 3, 7 says, you used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now they know better and they will allow their hearts to be challenged by the power of the Holy Spirit living within them. Church, we need to allow that to happen. So we have the uninformed and they need information. Then you have the uncontrolled, they need transformation. But then this last group, they need something more than all of that. The last group are the unsaved. You have the unsaved. And church, I, again, I don't, I don't know where you fall into this list, whether it's uninformed, uncontrolled, or unsaved, but listen to me. If you are, if you are unsaved, there is, there, there is grace out there waiting on you. Because the unsaved, they, 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 they may be informed, they may not. They may have control of their tongues, they may not. But, but, the, but the callous cursing, the callous cursing is a result of living that lifestyle. And if you are saved, if you are redeemed by the grace of Jesus Christ, if you have experienced the, the, the lifestyle where, where, where you're living in sin and all of a sudden you, you get that tug by the Holy Spirit and you come to the altar and you give your life to Christ and you experience that transformation, you experience the Holy Spirit overwhelming you, you experience Jesus Christ transforming you, you'll know, church, listen to me, you will know that using the name of Jesus Christ profanely is wrong. And what Christ is saying, he says, look, don't misuse my name. Don't misuse my name. Because church, I got two things. I got bad and good news. And the bad news is, if we keep doing this, listen to me, if we keep living this lifestyle, he will not hold us guiltless. Exodus chapter 20, verse seven. You will not be held guiltless. You keep using the name of God in profanity. Listen to me, church. He's going to hold you guilty of it. But church, here's the good news. There is saving grace. God says you don't have to keep living this way. You don't have to be uninformed. You don't have to be uncontrolled. And more importantly, listen, you don't have to be unsaved. He sent his son to die on the cross for us. And he said, look, come to me. 
and I will transform you. Because so often what we, just, what we think that we have to do is we think, well, well pastor, I got to clean my life up. I got to get right. I got to do this, that, or the other. And God's saying, no, you don't have to do that. If you fall into the unsaved category, he says, look, you don't have to change you. He says, come as you are. I'll take care of the transformation. He says, I will transform you. I will change your life. All we have to do, church, and hear me, this is for the unsaved and the saved alike. Because listen to me, a lot of Christians, we fall under this stuff. All we have to do is surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit and He will transform us. He will transform us, church. And our, our worship band's gonna play one more song and if you say, Pastor, you're right, I need to, I need to make that commitment. Church, the altar's open and I wanna pray with you and I wanna help you. So let's do that together. Let's stop taking the Lord's name in vain. Can we do that, church? Pastors, 